What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Steve, my good man, how the devil are you? I'm all right, buddy. I'm not too bad. Not too bad, you say? (laughs) No, slightly wounded. That's a different story, old man story. But um, yeah, other than that, I'm all right. How are you? Good. I'm very good, mate. I've not quite hit, hit that point in life yet where I'm popping my back just by like taking my jeans on and off. So I'm I'm doing pretty good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for dropping that in there. Um, yeah, it could have been worse. Could have been my socks. Um, That's yeah. fair. Did you manage to get your socks on okay or off okay? No, nah, mate. I crumpled. I crumpled. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't worn socks in the last six days. There's no chance. <laughs> no, I'm still barefoot, rocking my thongs. Um, no, they all went peaked on. I got one leg off, then it went pop, <laughs> and I just had to sit on the edge of the bed with uh, one leg still in my jeans while screaming for Sarah. <laughs> You're like, Sarah, come undress me. <laughs> Literally that. Like, lay me on the bed. Don't do whatever you want to me. Um, <laughs> You're like, this is not that time. <laughs> yeah, this is not that moment. The kids are not asleep. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a fun day. That was, it's still hurting now, actually. That was Saturday. It's still hurting now. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah. Hopefully Proper it passes all. and you'll be okay. I'll be bouncing like a tigger on cocaine soon. That'll be fine. That's an image. Yeah. I'll be absolutely fine. Just got to stretch and move. Don't stay still. Yeah, that's it, man. How was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. Apart from that, yeah, it was really good. Went to a wedding Sunday. Um, Excellent. That's it. You were down in London. Went to the big smoke for the weekend. Did. Got my passport out. Got it stamped on the way down. Had a big drive. (laughs) Left uh, left Norfolk, which is an easy day. Left the Shire, mate. Literally left the Shire. (laughs) Um, Went on a full quest. Conquered, conquered it, redid, and I've met some fellow Scottish people, Tim. Yes, yeah, wonderful, eh? And I like that you were just sending me pictures of all the tenants that was being drunk down there, so that was quite exciting for me. I did think when I saw that picture to start with, I was like, fuck, it's Stephen Scotland. I was like, the rude prick, he's come off here and not even told me. (laughs) Just around the corner, like sending you pictures of your front door, hey. Oh my God, can you imagine, that would be great. So where You're are not you? coming Absolutely. to stay, you've just booked with a different name. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Big Dong has arrived. Uh. <laughs> Mr. Busted Back, I should say. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the problem, dragging the Big Dong around to put you back out, Steve. Yeah, I've got a counterbalance. Ugh. Oh dear, well this is taking a turn. Shall we uh, dive into the show? <laughs> okay, oh, let's dive into it then, man. Let's go for it, buddy. 
Good stuff. So, I'm Tim, he's Steve, and this is for the love of MotoGP. Now, if you are new to the show, welcome. I promise it's not always talking about Steve's oversized genitals. We do actually talk about motorcycles. And if bit. you are new <laughs> a little bit, if we are new to if you are I've lost it, Steve. It's gone. It's gone. But if you are this new to MotoGP, it will be one of those shows. We have a show for you. It's called the Introduction to MotoGP 2023. Uh, scroll back through your podcast feed, you'll find it there. And we tell you everything you need to know to start enjoying the sport we all love. We talk about the teams, the riders, the storylines. We tell you what a race weekend looks like. We break it down so you go from knowing nothing to knowing just about enough to uh, enjoy your first race weekend. Our version of a beginner's guide. Exactly. That's it. A beginner's guide to MotoGP. It's a bit like a hitchhiker's guide to the universe, but with less robots. Never seen it, never read it, don't know. Oh, Steve, I I had you down, actually, as someone that would have read some Douglas Adams in your time. No, no, never ventured down that road. It's like Clockwork Orange. Everyone bangs on about that, never seen it. Um, the film's fine. The book is one of the hardest things I've ever tried to read, and I never managed to finish it. It was so difficult to read. Just the language in it, it's just because it's so made up, you have to constantly refer to the um, the, the appendix, I guess, to under yeah. and the glossary <clears throat> to try and understand what the fuck is going on. It's, yeah, hard work. A literary classic, probably, but nah, it wasn't for me. And the film, mm. I think, is massively overrated, but that's quite a controversial opinion. Yeah, never see it. Might venture down that road one day, but at the minute, I'm a simple man. I like simple books, you know, four or five pages and I'm done. <laughs> easy easy reading it's what we like oh. just give me a spot the dog and some blues clues that's what I'm happy with oh yeah yeah it's all about bluey at the minute mate everyone's all on the bluey wagon yeah see I'm I'm past it now man I've reached a point in my life and it occurred to me the other day that this has happened and because I lived a lot of my life Steve with being the oldest of nine children I lived a lot of my life being very clued in to what was happening in kids TV mm-hmm. and now that all of my siblings are essentially teenagers, I think the youngest one is 11, so almost a teenager, I've now got no idea what's going on in the world of kids' TV. And now I talk to people like you, who are obviously very clued on in it because you've got kids, I'm like, this makes no sense to me. I don't know what's happening. What happened to Pokemon like Beyblade? That's still there. It's all on Netflix. But now everyone's about Bluey at the minute. So Bluey is about... It's Australian dogs, animated dogs, family. They all walk and talk. It's very... Oof. Don't watch it when you're stoned. Um, is it like Peppa Pig, but with dogs? Yeah. Yeah, so it's mum, dad, two baby dogs living in Australia, doing very, very usual things. And there's a lot. To, you need to watch an episode because there's a lot of adult humour in there. Um, okay. So the I'm probably not going to watch an episode. You can try and convince me, but I'm probably not going to do that. Some of them are absolutely hilarious because there's so much aimed at the parents... Um, of the kids because they know full well you're going to be roped into watching it as well so there is equal amounts if not more for the adults and some of it is bloody hilarious Um, I quite like this moment where my um, parent friends try and tell me that kids TV is really funny 
uh, it, it really tickles me because I'm like, nah, I'm just, I'm not going to commit any time to it. But all of my friends who are parents do say things like this to me. Oh, this book is really funny. This TV show is funny. I'm like, no. I think as, I think something happens when you have children and all of a sudden kids' TV becomes really good. That's because we like a switch the in your oh, brain. Hang on, big sneeze coming. Oh dear. And that was a monster. Look at that. Oh God, he's put his back out. There's snot stringing from his nose and his back's gone. Oh no, it's tragic. We should we call a nurse? Oh, he's back. I'm back. I think I'm in the room. Oh, paralyzed. That looked very <laughs> uncomfortable, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh yeah, let's not go down that road. Some things are yeah, horrid. I tried to go to work today and that was it was not a mistake, but it was uh, we unlocked new realms of pain. And it's almost an achievement at that point. Yeah, I was proud. Yeah. I didn't get my medal out there. I was very disappointed. But there we are. At some point we promise we talk about motorbikes. We do. <laughs> so um let's crack on with the show, Steve. Um let's do it. before we get properly into talking motorbikes though, we do have a correction corner from last week, Steve. So you know what we that means? Do. Yes I do, mate. Cue that jingle. Correction corner. So this week's Correction Corner, this comes initially from Andrew Hiley on Facebook, but we got quite a few comments about this one um, because, well, it was an obvious one, wasn't it? And I spoke and uh, you didn't pick up on it, Steve, so we're, we're both to blame here. Missed that one completely. Quite. Last week we were trying to remember... Uh, which South African track Rossi took his first win on the Yamaha? I said it was Kailami. You agreed, uh, and that is completely wrong. It was Welcome. So, uh, yeah, my bad on that one. All right, well, our bad. I should know that as well. I watched that race live. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, you did, yeah. Steve. And you've often told me that's one of the uh, the best and most, uh, I'm going to say, emotional races that you've oh, ever seen. It. Yeah, absolutely. Big, big moment. After all the sort of winter talk about how, you know, a suicidal career move this was for Rossi and he goes and does that in a hell of a race as well. It was, yeah, hell of a thing to watch. And yeah, neither of us got it right. Disappointed with us. But there we go. We're only human. We're allowed to make mistakes. Exactly that, my friend, that we are. And uh, that's just part of the joy of the show because I make mistakes and, and have plenty of lovely people. To tell us we're wrong, and that's always good. I'm here for that. Yeah, yeah, we like hearing we're wrong. Well, we don't, but we know it happens. Now, there's a way to do it. There's a way to tell me mm. I'm wrong. Most of the time, the the huge majority of our listeners, Steve, are very mm. good at telling me I'm wrong, which is why we have the Correction Corner segment and why we do shout-outs for people's names. If people are horrible, they don't get featured on Correction Corner. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. If you're nice, you'll come on. If you're not, well, we just block you. Bye. <laughs> You know, or that yeah. classic move, hitting the block button. Yes, yes, yes. We haven't had a troll for ages, have we? You had that one who hated you. Um, yeah, we did. We had that, yeah. We've had a couple of people that... Uh, it's always via email. It's always people trolling via email. It's it's never been in the um, in the Facebook group and stuff. So no, that's fine. we've never had the gumption to join that yet. It's no, always a, quite. a one-man war. What the hell was that guy's name? I mean, I do remember, but I'm not giving them a shout out because I'm not going to start encouraging trolls to just shout things at us all the time. (laughs) That is very true, yeah. Anyway, shall we dive into this very historic race? 
Let's do just that, my friend. So we're going to run through a couple of talking points, well, a couple of news items, um, and then we're going to run through the top fives in Moto3, Moto2, the and MotoGP, and then we'll get into the talking points from the MotoGP race before we recap oh, yeah. our predictions and preview the next race, which is in just a few days. It is, yeah. I keep forgetting we've got Mategi this weekend. Yeah, it's uh, we're on a pretty wild run here, Steve. There's a lot of racing coming up over the next few weeks. It's a sprint finish to oh, the is. season now. Yes, yeah, it's going to be a good end to this one. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, let's dive straight in then, Steve. So, overall, the Bud International Circuit in India, banging race weekend overall. Now, the MotoGP race wasn't the most exciting of races, but um, it was the the track was beautiful. Um, The elevation change on it was like I I cannot even remember it being like that when formula one was there but the elevation change was incredible some of those mm. banked corners there was was it turn eight that there was like i don't know 18 different lines through that corner and there was a number of corners yeah. that had a number of crazy lines going through it so three or four guys are coming in the lines aren't even converging anywhere on the corner there you just don't know who's coming out in front it was so good yeah, it was a really good race weekend. I had to just watch the highlights because it was a very busy weekend. Uh, but I kept up with some of it when I could. But yeah, I was watching the highlights thinking, what is going on here? You know, some corners, there were two or three wide different lines. And the whole thing, the whole track, the whole scenery around it looked really good. Um, it was, yeah. Plus into that, the heat, everyone did very well to cope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's yeah, just how hot it was wild which we'll get on to because there's quite a lot of talking about that mm. um the heat was wild the the fans were amazing the um yes, just the whole atmosphere show. looked really good and yeah the whole event was just cracking so um mm. you know there was a few visa problems and some very disgruntled media personnel coming into yes. the weekend but yeah. aside from that the whole thing really came off at least from a, a viewer's point of view so it came off without a hitch yeah, I think if you were in the thick of it, like all the visa problems, if you're going out for work, like if you're a freelance journo, you want to be there, you want to be there early. So all the disruption sort of adds to the gripe and the niggles and maybe the doubt that they had beforehand. It just irritates. And over, But overall, they were all there at the end. Yeah, exactly. It all came together and nicely. Quite. And if you do want to be there early, just go a few days early and then yeah. you'd had your visa in. Or it would have supposed to arrive a few days early, which means you'd have had more leeway and it would have come off fine. Um, but yeah, I think a cracking weekend altogether. And I would like to take a minute, Steve, really, to just apologise a little bit to everyone listening, to the Bud circuit in general, and to Dorna, which is something I don't do very often, for getting a bit caught up in a negative news spiral um, overall. Because I think I was quite negative on this race coming into it. Uh, I think in last week's show I was a bit negative about it. Um, and maybe I should have been a bit more open-minded because the race wasn't super exciting, but it was beautiful. It had big championship implications. Oh, yes. Um, and maybe I listened a bit too closely to a few vocal journalists before the event, and I ended up spouting off their toxic rubbish. Um, and uh, I, think... I was sort of thinking about this a bit more today, and I think there was a kind of a level of uh, Prince Philip type racism involved in what was going on with the whole build up to this event um people worried about it and i think i've i've 
we think I was guilty of this too in last week's show when we, I was talking about the trucks and how it was a bit of a shit show. Uh, and you beautifully swept in and saved the day on that one, Steve, and pointed out. I can't uh, remember. Without telling me I was being an idiot, you very nicely nudged me along and were like, stop being an idiot now, Tim. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I got a bit caught up in uh, everything and I don't think I was very fair on the event and I'm going to try and make an active effort to be, more, be a bit more open-minded and not get overly critical about things before we've seen them um, because, yeah, I don't think I was fair on it. So I apologise for that and, um, you know, I'm... I'll try and be better about these events in the future, unless it's the Circuit of Wales, and uh, then whatever. <laughs> That's a different story altogether. <laughs> then, yeah, maybe we'll go full ball on that one. No, I didn't yeah. think... I can't really remember what we said, if I'm honest. Um, that was a week ago. I can't remember yesterday. Um, it's okay, mate. I couldn't even remember where Valentino Rossi's first win in a Yamaha was either, so um, I wouldn't stress it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's me. That's my serious moment. I'm being apologetic. I'll try and do that. It's very easy to get caught up in the mainstream media because that's all we see. You know, there was nothing Mm. coming out from the teams. We didn't have like any of the big team bosses on social media, you know, doing the same thing as the journos. And it is easy to get sucked into it. You know, new track, there's speculation, there's doubt, you know, it had to be homologated yet. It is very easy to get sucked into that kind of train of thought should we say yeah yeah it is but i like to and i don't know this is another example of me being wrong about myself but i like to think that i'm a bit more uh, open-minded and a bit more critical on against uh just the mainstream media and, and not falling into those traps but um i fall into those traps as much as everyone else does and this is a prime example of that uh, we're um, guilty of that buddy yeah but yes in future if a race weekend looks like it's actually going to go ahead and it's not the Circuit of Wales and it's not Finland, then uh, I'll try and keep a, 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 a be, wide open mind on it. Yes, we'll be level-headed and conservative in our approach. Exactly. Exactly. Or maybe not conservative. I don't like the word conservative. I don't think it sums me up very well. But um, yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, we will be all open-minded. Quite. Um Anyway, that's that bit out of the way. Um, I can feel a bit better about myself now. I've got that nice glow of someone that's been able to admit their mistakes and move on. So, um, uh, forgive me, Father, I have sinned moment. Exactly. This is my confession, Steve. I should have put a screen up between us so uh, I could just pretend I was talking to a a priest there. Um, Well, when you've said your whatever it is they do, come back to us and we'll uh, we'll carry on with the show. (laughs) three cans of tenants and a big shot of whiskey and you'll be fine <laughs> exactly and i'd much rather talk to you than a priest anyway so that's fine um priest. yeah i don't, again that's me being a bit mean i hung out with a bunch of priests once it was a very weird experience for me steve i'm in northern spain i'm walking the camino de santiago so it's it's a it's, it's a religious pilgrimage is what this hike mm-hmm. is but it's kind of been co-opted by the world really to just be a fun place to walk and you're walking through a region with really cheap wine so everyone's just getting on it all the time um yep but i was sitting at this bar hanging out with a a few of my fellow pilgrims and we were all sitting down shooting the shit having a few drinks and then this group of uh priests just turned up and we were like oh no 
Now they're going to come and tell us off for boozing it up along their hike. And that's fair enough because that's exactly what we are doing. And it's probably sacrilegious in some way. And there was like eight of them and they all came and sat around the table and they were like, hi, how are you? Shaking hands, chatting away for a bit. And they're like, can we sit down? And we're like, yeah, of course you can sit down. That's fine. And one of them disappeared off and he just came back with 12 tankards of beer. That was one for each of the priests plus then four for us that he just put down. And he just sat down and they just started pounding back the beer with us. It was a very strange experience. It was very <laughs> odd. Yeah, and then we're, they, were, they were properly dressed in all their priest garb. Um, and then one of them went, oh, shit, guys, uh, mass starts in three minutes. They were like, oh, no. And they all just necked their beers and they went, lovely to meet you, we've got to go. And then just ran off to church. Very strange. Very bizarre scenario. Yeah, there was a tanked up priest going back to mass. Going, yeah, no idea what's going on. Jesus, he rocks. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Woo! <laughs> yeah, go Jesus. Um <laughs> Oh dear. Um, yeah, that was another example of just hold your thoughts for a little while because the reality is going to turn out to be very different to what you expect to happen. Yeah, I used to work with an ex-monk who um, spent a lot of time at the monastery somewhere on the uh, Channel Isles. They make a lot of um, cider. You can oh, okay. find it online. Nice, that's my kind of monastery, some... mate. Yes. Boozy well. Yeah. yeah, he was telling me some rather... Interesting stories of how the uh, the cider would go missing. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. You guys Who knew really you could have this much right cider for communion, eh? Weird when that happens. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you guys are not as uh, squeaky clean as you make out. Nah, but no one is, are they? We're all, we're all flawed in our own ways, so that's fine. We are. Mind my back at the minute. Jesus. If you hear like moaning <laughs> yeah, and groaning and creaking, that's just me dying in the background. Oh. <laughs> Um, okay, let's move it on, Steve. I've got one more news item I want to hit before we uh, dive into the top fives. Yes. Um, and this is those Mark Marquez rumours just mm. will not go away. And they are, in fact, snowballing at this point. They are getting worse. And um, uh, there's a lot of uh, fuel added to the fire this weekend. It was amazing. So there was that clip mm. of, um, I can't remember, it was during one of the practice sessions, I think. Um, Jack Appleyard was there on um, MotoGP, Video Pass TV, whatever yep. it is, uh, chatting away with Paolo Giabatti. And he was asking, what's going on with Mark Marquez? And you knew the moment Giabatti opened his mouth, you're like, this is getting clipped and it's all over social media. Oh, yeah, Giabatti, this is gold. He confirmed that Grassini have a, ch a chance to sign Mark Marquez. Uh, yeah. He said it's down to Grassini and down to Marquez to make a decision between them. Uh, he implied that Ducati have no hand in the decision because it, he's not going to Pramac, he's not going to a Ducati factory squad, so it's all up to Crosini. Uh, yeah. And he said that, yeah, it's up to Marquez at this point. Marquez just will do what Marquez wants to do, but yeah, they're in talks. Yeah, yeah, they pretty much just put it all out there. Just kind of quashed the rumour bill and just came to light with it. So, yeah, exactly. Not so much it quashed just it, but just threw it up into the air and knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Abby, yeah, I saw that little clip it and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be headlines for weeks. Yeah, um, exactly. And then it almost appeared almost instantly on social media and it was almost instantly up on the screen as like a Twitter grab. Like it was so quick. Oh, uh, if you get anything like that, if you're ever watching one of the feeds, something live, as soon as something like that comes on, get your phone out and flick up Twitter. I have it just for the news, for the show, for talking to you. Just keep up with what's going on. Literally don't ever post anything. 
I know at the end of each show we say we're on Instagram and Twitter, mm, dubiously. Um, <laughs> we are there with ultimate lurking in the background for news news clippets. Um, but put it on, it will be there in seconds. Yeah. Because these eagle-eyed journos are just oh, on it. But this Literally. was all over Dawner's, like the official MotoGP accounts, yeah. almost instantly. Yeah, it's, it must have been pre-written. The, the articles, we know journos do it. They pre-write. Yeah, just in case, so they can just hit publish. Yeah, yeah. Just edit so a couple that, of details, hit publish. They're good to go. That's it. When you got hit with an email last minute at the end of the workday that you writ, writ, writ? Jesus, wrote. <laughs> oh, good God. Painkillers are kicking in. Um, that you wrote earlier in the day and you're just waiting to hit send. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, it's too quick. You can't, your fingers won't type that fast to get an article out. So, yeah, pre-endive strike. Yeah, it's quite amazing though because it's just like that. It's a conversation that's not going to die now. Um, no, not at all. It now seems that Mark Marquez um, has pretty much said he's not <clears throat> going to announce it in Japan. When I wrote these show notes earlier, I did write, as you can see, Steve, uh, if he's yes. moving, surely he won't announce it in Japan. But if he stays with Honda, the announcement is bound to come in Japan. Yes. Well, since I wrote that, I was reading some other articles. I think it was a Crash.net article um, in which Mark Marquez has been, now been quoted as saying he's not going to announce in Japan. He's just going to focus, yeah. focus on the race weekend and go from there. That says to me that this deal is going to get done and he's going to Grassini. Um, yeah. If if we get a special press conference in Japan, he's going to announce he's staying at Honda. Mark Marquez, yes. for as much as he wants to leave Honda, uh, or apparently we think he wants to leave Honda, and for the the fact that he appears so fed up with Honda, he's not enough of a prick to announce that he's leaving them at their home race mid-contract. I See, I'm on the other end of the fence to this. I sometimes think if, you know, we know the guy's got a fantastic relationship with Honda and he's pretty much been a Honda rider all his racing career. Um, well, yeah, he's certainly been a Repsol-sponsored, uh, Honda-backed rider for a very long time. Yeah. Sometimes I look at the other side of the board and go, you know, they've got such a good relationship. If they're parting ways on good terms, maybe the Japanese bosses would be happy for him to hold a press conference with them to mutually announce their departure. Do you think they're going to leave on good terms, though? He was literally flicking the bike, oh, flicking the, yeah, flicking the bird to this bike a few rounds ago in, in uh, Saxon Ring. Like, he's, I don't think he's got the good um, relationship with Honda that he had a couple of years ago. I don't think it's quite as good, but I think it is still pretty strong. Um, if it, I imagine if it's it, a relationship based on a lot of respect still. They still have a lot yeah. of respect for each other. But yeah, you know, just, you can sometimes. still really like a partner, but it's still time to get a divorce or still time to break <laughs> up. Um, oh yeah, I just part of me thinks if if they could do it mutually like this, Japan would be a good way to do it. Both sides of the seat in the um, in the press conference. It doesn't have to announce where he's going. It can just announce the fact that they are departing. You know. Oh no, he can't do that. There's too much speculation at that point. And I don't think it's a good look for Honda, especially not uh, a Japanese company for it to happen in Japan. I don't think it's a good look. I think if we get an announcement in Japan, it's the announcement that he stays at Honda. It's also weird Maybe. that we're talking about the fact that he might announce that he's going to stay and see out his contract, like he has to make an announcement. There is still a chance that he just doesn't make an announcement and he just gets on the Honda next year and that's that. He could literally just do that. These We could see out the rest of the season with all these rumours running rife 
and still spiralling, we could come to the test next year in February, whenever it is, and still know nothing. We could come to the first round in Qatar, and he's on the Honda. It could literally. Well, we'd know. All go we'd well. know by the test, and we'd have to know by the test because Grassini will have had to run someone on uh, that true, second yeah. bike during the test. Yeah. So we will know by then. Imagine if all this plays out, and it just turns out that Marquez and Honda have just chucked Grassini like a million quid to just be like, look. Let's just get all the headlines. It's going to work mm. for you. It's going to work for us. We'll get loads of column inches and we can just pretend this is going to happen. You go sign who you like, but they sign an NDA. They don't announce it until the first test in February or whenever it's going to be. And uh, then you'll have someone on the bike. We'll have Mark on the bike. Everything will be fine. You're a million quid up. Advertising revenue's gone through the roof. Happy days. Yeah, we know it's been done before where people have silently got together to manipulate the media, not necessarily in MotoGP, but in other sports and such, and other sort of walks of life, people have got together to solely manipulate the media to cause chaos and get just headlines. I mean, it's a fabulous marketing tool. Um, yeah, exactly. But I don't think yeah. that is the case here, but it could no. be. There could it, be something weird like I that. I highly going doubt on. it, but it could be. I don't think these guys would, I want to say, stoop that low, but people have done it. People have manipulated the media, so who knows? Um, but yeah, here we are, back on the Marquez rumour bandwagon again. Exactly. And chances are we're not going to get an announcement of Japan, like he said, uh, that he's just going to focus on the race weekend. Uh, yeah. So we're waiting to, what's the round after Japan? Um, uh, is it Indonesia? I've got a list in front of me. Yeah, it'll be Indonesia. Um, so there's yeah. a break after Japan, isn't there? And then it'll be Indonesia, yep. I think. Yes. So that'll be the weekend of the 15th, yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, it will be. Um, so, yeah, geez, who knows, eh? Mm, There's a very good it. chance it might be a while until we get an announcement. Um, but it has to happen sooner rather than later because there's a lot of seats that are still waiting. And it's not just seats in MotoGP. It's Moto2 seats. There's now people in World Superbikes talking about having to wait to see what happens for the dominoes to fall. Like, yeah. there's a lot of people waiting for whatever this announcement. Exactly. It's It's huge. Yeah. It's not like where you just solely kind of circulated within your own uh, category or class, if you will, your own racing series. It now has a knock-on effect because there's so much intertwined team relationships and team changing. You know, if you're with Yamaha, it's not to say that you can't have a Yamaha seat in World Superbikes now. You know, there's a right. lot of changing going on, so it does. It has massive repercussions across like, the world of motorcycle racing. Yeah, so, full stop. There's going to be a lot of people waiting with bated breath. Um, but it's down to him. So we are going, just going to have to sit on our hands and see what crazy rumours we hear next week. Oh, God, I hope he moves, man. I really, really want yeah, to I see him on a Ducati. I think he moves at this point. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not bored of hearing about it. Um, I just want to know now. I'm kind of getting to that point where I'm just like, oh, come on, let's just know. Let's... You know, this has been going on for so long now. This feels like it's been going on since the start of the season. And just, you know, with all the hype and the build-up and things that have been happening, it just kind of gets a bit like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. I, I love it, man. I'm still not bored of it at all. I, I just I, adore everything about it. I'm quite an impatient person, so I've got so... I've, I've, I've hit my limit. You know, <laughs> my toleration levels are full. My cup is, my glass is full. <laughs> no, Close I've got plenty more in me, mate. I've got loads more. I could, I could ride this out for the rest of the year. 
Oh, well, we'll leave you to speculate. I'm just going to go to sleep in a corner and be like, wake me up when it's done, Tim. It does also look like on this front, though, that um, this is this comes from the race, and uh, the race was saying some of their sources said that before Pramac announced Morbid Delhi, uh, they had actually offered Marquez a two-year deal at Pramac mm. on a current year machine, but he only wanted a single-year deal, and uh, that was a sticking point for both parties, and uh, so yeah. that was left as it was, and Morbid Delhi got the ride. Which, you know, for Morbidelli, fucking result. Um, But yeah, it it shows that Ducati, as much as they were pretending not to be very interested in the start, would have been quite interesting. Because if that's true, Ducati uh, contract directly contract riders to put in Pramac. That's not a Pramac contract. That's a contract with Ducati. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, Ducati are keen now. Um, We saw it with uh, the Ducati boss. um, What's his name? Uh... Big boss, Dominicali. Is it Dominicali? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, so. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I'd be pretty keen for Marquez. After all of the others, GG and everyone have been like, nah, we don't want him. Dominicali's like, yeah, we'll take him. Yeah, so, we'll uh, have you. It, Come on, son. Pack your bags. Yeah, Come quite. over here. We've got, a, we've got a small little shirt that'll fit you. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ducati are sort of going to be sliding Grassini a couple of mil. So they can afford to pay Mark Marquez a bit more to try and entice yeah, him probably. over. Probably, probably. You know, someone's already out the back with an iron, iron on the ninety-three to a back of a few shirts. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just getting ready for that press conference, like your nan doing your, your, your t-shirts frantically before football. I'm getting it ready. <laughs> um, oh, mate, I'm so jazz. keen for it. Anyway. Jesus. You've got a giant bug to deal with. Let's take a quick break, Steve, and then we're going to dive into our top fives. I can't fight this fucker. I've got a bad back. Oh, no. So before Steve gets mauled by a giant insect, um, I'm going to stop, go for a wee, and then when we come back, um, hopefully Steve will still be alive, and we're going to run through the top five finishers in Moto3, Moto2, and MotoGP. So bear with us for one moment, and we will be right back with you. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for bearing with us. We are back. Bladders are empty. Beers are full. And we are ready to crack on. Steve's just holding a glass of juice up there, so not my beer is full. Steve's glass of juice is also full. Um, and we are ready to crack on with the top five, Steve. So Aye. let's dive into this one. A eh? um, Moto3 then. This was an exciting race, Steve. Moto3 was maybe the most exciting race of the weekend. Aye. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to watch it this week. Like I say, it was a bit and more here I am just weekend. spoilering you. I know what ha- I know roughly what happened. Um, okay. I do like to spoil it myself. I get a bit sort of as the week goes on, I get a bit sort of twitchy, and I'm like, "That's what I know now." Then I watch it <laughs> So I always like watch the podium. Ooh, who's on the podium? And catch up. You're with doing all the it in gossip. reverse. Watch the yeah, podium first, then watch go backwards. the race, then yeah. qualifying. Yeah, literally go backwards. I'm like, this makes no sense, but yeah, <laughs> even watching it in, like rewind. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, like I say, whirlwind weekend. Couldn't keep up with this one. This one's a free weekend, so I'll be fully on it. Nice. Okay. Well, the top five then, Steve. You already know, but yes. it looked like this: David Alonso finished in fifth. Daniel Olgado was fourth. Ayumu Sasaki was in third. Probably would have, maybe should have been second if it wasn't for the collision with his teammate Colin Vaya in the last few corners. Uh, the same collision that saw Colin Vaya crash out of the race. Yes. Um, Ayumi Sasaki in this one was super fast. And mm. for, for the first three quarters of the race, was right on the tail of the eventual race winner. But um, he started to drop off, and he was dropping back towards his teammate, Colin Vaya, and Kaito Toba, who went on to finish second in this one. And it looked like for a little while that Colin Vaya was just going to sit behind Sasaki and just defend against Kaito Toba. And that was going pretty well until, I don't know what happened, last lap, oh my god, I could get second place here, took over, and um, Colin Vaya started scrapping with Ayumi Sasaki, Kaito Toba got involved, and it all became a bit hectic, and ended up with a collision that caused uh, Vaya to crash out of the race, and caused Sasaki to drop back to third place. And at this point, Sasaki, I don't know whether he cooked his tyres, or he's he's suffering with the heat but he was not on the pace of the other guys around him so he probably deserved to finish third but um could have been second if his teammate had played the team game and if he had finished second he'd be leading the championship right now Mm. shame but Um, there we go it's racing and it's moto3 racing it's chaotic you don't really expect those same kind of team orders in moto3 that you kind of expect in MotoGP. i'd expect a rider in MotoGP to be supporting their teammate at this point in the season if that's what it came down to i don't expect that in moto3 but i think probably if you are uh, the team boss you do expect that i think there's probably like an underwritten kind of gentleman's rule you know there's a little a few little not words but in a conversation the it might be dropped that maybe you should do the the honourable thing, if you will, and um, let the let the one who could win it win or beat you as such to gain a bit of favour within the team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I but suspect these, there were very strong words after this race. I would imagine so. But hey ho, it's racing. This is what happens. 
you know, these guys are out to get all the points they can at the end of the day. So it's racing. Exactly. There was no suggested mapping eight popping up on anyone's um, no. dashboard at this point. <laughs> Absolutely not. It was just go for it. I'm winning this shit. Exactly. And speaking of winning this shit, Jamo Masia finished this race in first place. Uh, Jamo Masia is now equal points with Daniel Olgado at the top of the championship. Nice. And Sasaki is just a single point behind. It's Very nice. really wild. Even David Alonso like um, is less than a race win off the top spot right now. There are four guys covered by less than 25 points. And this nice. is a championship that only a few rounds ago, Daniel Olgado was like maybe a 50-point lead or something wild. Oh. We were like, oh, it's another runaway championship. But it's properly closed in now. Um, yeah, we see this. Every now and again, we get these little championship charges that we were people you know people have a bad run of form a few crashes or for whatever reason just have less than desirable race finishes and it just spices mm-hmm. things up it condenses everything and it just makes it brilliant for us watching at home it, it makes it that spectacle we all want to see you know we don't want to see a massive runaway winner like we see before we want to see a last last race four-way tussle for the bloody championship it makes it so interesting and we want to see that Maverick Vinales winning the um, title on the final corner kind of yeah, championship exactly. going on in Moto3. That's what Moto3 is yeah. all about. Moto3 shouldn't be, have a runaway race winner or runaway oh, championship no. winner. It should be a proper scrap to the end. And a lot of the time, due to the, the nature of Moto3 racing, it's often not the fastest guy that wins the championship. It's no. just the guy that scores the points over the season and maybe the guy with the best racecraft. He doesn't have to be the fastest, but if they no. can... You know, push themselves to be in the right place and coming out of the last corner, get the slipstream, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they can do that consistently. And that's how you win a Moto Three Championship. Exactly. So yeah, this one's shaping up to be a belter, isn't it? Just and it's good for me because I predicted Yuma Sasaki would win this, and he's now only yeah, a single point off the top. So um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'll be pretty chuffed if he pulls it off. Yeah, yeah, well, that's one tick in our box. Exactly. Aye. Moto 2, though, Steve. Um, yes. That one is starting to look like it's going to be a bit of a runaway championship. Um, yeah, pretty much. So the top five in Moto 2 looked like this. Uh, Manuel Gonzalez uh, finished in his traditional fifth place. This is I... just where this guy finishes Moto 2 races now. Just constantly yeah. fifth place. Might as well just chalk it up every race. Just like, yeah, fifth place, done. Haven't even got there yet. His. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what happens. He can start from pole, he can start from 20th. Yeah. He's going to finish fifth. That's just what Manuel Gonzalez does these days. Yeah, strange, but there we go. He's consistent. Quite. Uh, fourth place was Sergio Garcia. Again, I think his second fourth place in the last few races. Um, he's coming on really well in his rookie year right now. Bloody is. This guy's having a belter. So, yeah, he's, he's one to keep an eye on, um, for sure. You know, he's done better than... I think anyone really thought he would do in his rookie year. So, yeah, cracking. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you compare him to his um, Moto3 teammate and title rival from last year, in Izan Guevara, um, oh, who nice. we kind of all expected. I don't know. I say we all. I expected Izan Guevara to arrive in Moto2 this year 
and not be on it straight away. I thought this was going to be similar to his Moto 3 season, um, where he was properly eclipsed by Pedro Acosta, but mm. he took a race win in that first year. That really stroppy win. Do you remember? He <laughs> went back to the pit box because he'd retired or yeah, something, and was like kicking like, shit around, TVs. and then yeah, and then it was red flagged and dropped back a lap, and there he was. He was the winner all of a sudden, so it was a really sheepish first win. Yeah, um, trudged back. He's like, oh shit. But I expected him to be on it at this point. He scored six points in the championship so far. He's in 25th place. Uh, Sergio mm. Garcia is in 11th with 76 points. And yeah, he's uh, he's coming on. I think Sergio Garcia is doing much better than certainly than I expected him to be uh, to do. And he's he's going to be in there next year as a maybe a title threat if he can continue this trip. Hopefully. If he keeps this up, then he's, he's, he's blending himself with a good shout. So... Hopefully he's going to finish the season strong and then start next year just as strong, if not better. Yeah, if he can grab a couple of podiums by the end of the year and maybe mm. a race win, he'll come into next year and he will be talked about as a, a dark horse for the championship. Absolutely. Completely agree. Uh, third place in this one then, Steve, was Joe Roberts back mm. on the podium. It's been a I while. I don't. Did Joe get a podium last year? I don't think he did, did he? I don't think he did. Off the top of my head, um, I'm going to say no. I can't honestly remember at this point. Just pulling it out of the air. Um, but yeah, it's good to see him back up there. You know, it's really, really good for him. Really good for the team. The uh, was it American racing team? Um, no, he's with the Italian trans team at the moment. Oh, he's he's going back yeah. to the American racing team next year. That's it. Yeah, I've got his sign for them again. Um, yeah, great to see him back up the point in the end. He's a great rider. Um, has a great riding style. Everyone likes to see him race. So, yeah, really good for him and his team. Yeah, quite. And it's just nice to see American riders doing something yeah. pretty good. Oh, no, he, he did score. He scored a race win last year um, and one more podium. Oh, he scored a race win. Do you remember him in Portimao when just everyone crashed out in front of him That's in that really one. weird, rainy race and like eight, yes. nine guys all crashed in front of him and he managed to take the win? Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter how you get it. He stayed on, they crashed. Their loss. Quite. Um, but yeah, so that's Joe Roberts, third place in this one, back on the podium. Uh, second, speaking of back on the podium, Tony Arbolino back at the front once nice. again. And uh, again, great for him. Reigniting his championship challenge a little. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Put another log on the fire, shall we say. Um, but we'll see. I think he's one sort of, um, he's so up and down. Uh, yeah. You know, it needs to find some consistency. It'll be interesting to see what he does next year. Obviously, we know he signed again for Moto2 next year, uh, and we know his title rival and winner of this race, Pedro Acosta, is going to MotoGP next year. So Tony Arbolino has to be the favourite next year, but um, we'll have to see if that comes to fruition or not. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and, yeah, like I just said, Pedro Acosta won this race just doing what he does, just being Pedro Acosta and just... Getting his head down, getting out front, getting the laps in, and just running away with it. Yeah, just clicking down some fantastic lap times, not making any really major mistakes, and just, like you say, doing what he does, which is fabulous right. for him. Guy's a spectacle to watch in many ways, and not. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a 39 point lead now in the Moto 2 Championship. And he's had a really good year so far. I'm now yes. I'm looking at his results of the year. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six wins, as well as one, two, three, four more podiums. 
Well, so he's not um, bad at all. Really, no, really this good. This is how you go about winning a title. Yes. Yeah, be consistent, win what you can, and if you can't, finish strong. Exactly. And when he comes into MotoGP next year, assuming he wins this title, he's going to be kind of one of those rare breeds that arrives having won both the Moto3 and Moto2 title. There's not many yep. people on the MotoGP grid that have done that. No, not many. So he's going to be part of a, a very small club. Um, yeah. Only needs one more to complete the hat trick, which is um, yeah, even rarer. Yeah, quite. I'm actually now looking at the MotoGP lineup, and there's really not many of them. Um, Alex Marquez won Moto3 and Moto2. Um, Mark Marquez obviously won 125s mm. and Moto2. Did Danny Pedrosa win a one two five tile? Yes, I believe so. Okay, so Danny Pedrosa did both. And I think that might be it. So out of the full time riders, I think it's just the two Marquez brothers that did both the lightweight and the middleweight titles before mm. they arrived in MotoGP. Yeah, I mean, let us know if we're wrong, correct us. Um but I think Tim's right. So a very yeah, of the small... current riders, obviously. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's been done. Obviously Rossi did it, blah blah. Um, yeah, currently a very small and illustrious club. Yeah, no, quite. Yeah, that's quite impressive. Mm. So, one to watch. Keep an eye next year. Ooh, it'll be tasty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pedro Acosta, I just hope the KTM works for him next year. Or at least in a couple of years, he's a, a title-winning bike. Because otherwise, yeah. there is a fear that his talent could be a little bit squandered. But he will still do incredible things on that bike when he gets on yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he will, but we will have to see. We will wait with bated breath. Absolutely. And then the top fives in MotoGP then, Steve. Um, this, So it's worth noting here. Um, I have got this in the MotoGP talking points, but it's probably worth bringing it up now. Um, due to the heat and humidity, the race distance for all classes actually was dropped a little. Uh, in MotoGP, it was dropped by three laps for the main race and one lap for the sprint. Um, yes. We'll come on to a longer conversation about that in a minute. But yeah, so these were shortened races. Uh, so the sprint race really was a sprint race. It was like 11 laps or something. It was short. <clears throat> um, and it was also obviously red flagged and started again, so started a lap shorter as well. So this really was just a flat-out blast. Um, oh, yeah. Fifth place in this one, Steve, Marco Bezzecchi. He had the pace to comfortably oh, win the great. race, no problem, but was nerfed worldwide by his teammate, Luca Marini, in the first corner. Mm -hmm. um, almost to the back of the grid. It may well have been to the back um, and then managed to recover to fifth. And it was like watching someone play a MotoGP video game on easy. He just yeah, tore through the field. If it had been full race distance, immense. he would have won regardless. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, this was almost Rossi-esque, what he's done before, and many others. Um, flying through the pack. He was so quick, making no mistakes. And like you say, if it hadn't been for Marini causing that crash at the start and nerfing, like you say, punting him wide, the guy would have won it all day long. He was Absolutely. so quick. He started from pole position as well. So that yeah. obviously, if he did, he got a bad launch, which is why Marini was even able to crash into him. But um, yeah. yeah, if he'd have got a good launch or hadn't been punted off the line or off that first corner, he would have absolutely crushed this one, and he would have uh, oh, gone on to just take maximum points over the weekend. Yep, hundred percent, completely agree. Fourth place in this one was Brad Binder, just doing what Brad Binder does, and just being. <laughs> 
consistently there. It doesn't matter where he qualifies. He's going to put it on the top five by the end of the race. Yeah, Mr. Consistent. I think that's what we're going to have to call him from now on. Just a top five um, consistent finisher, really. Yeah. Just constantly there. He's got some serious form, this boy. Exactly. Third place then, Steve, was this guy I've not really heard of. Um, I don't think we've spoken much about him, really. Rookie this year, I think, mate. Mark Marquez or something? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, third place for, for, for one Mark Marquez. So that was a good result. Just a bit, mate. The Hondas actually um, looked really good all weekend. Um, don't know what changed. Yeah, they, something's happened. I'm sure of it. Um, something's it's a weird on one with the yeah. Hondas. I, I don't really understand what's happened here. Um, I have a theory. I have a theory, and I was going to come on to that in the Grand Prix, but um, we could just talk about our theories now as we're on this point to discuss. So mm-hmm. if you have a theory, Steve, fire it at me. Let's see. I think it's equal pickings. Um, you know, New track, no data. Everyone's playing from the same hymn sheet. And I think looking at how they were riding this weekend and the things that they were doing on these machines, a lot of this is coming down to maybe a little bit of frustration and mental block because these guys look racy mark looked like the old mark mir looks mir was incredible in both the sprint yeah. and the grand prix he crashed out of the sprint he crashed out from fourth place just behind yeah. mark it's not like he was crashing out from his usual 17th position like he crashed out from the front yeah they both look comfortable they both look like they could do what they wanted to do with this honda and I think well, a lot I feel of like that that's is... a bit strong. I think I think the Hondas looked pretty loose and wild, but they were able to cope with it in a way we haven't seen as much. Yeah, the, the Honda always looks a bit loose and wild. Um, yeah, look that's at Mark right. riding it, but they could tame it now. They could actually make it turn and do what they wanted. Didn't always look quite as stable on the brakes. Um, you look at the it Honda... still looked like the loosest bike. It still looked like yeah. an animal compared to the others. But yeah. Yeah, and I think just coming into this weekend, because it was fresh and it was new, they they saw themselves maybe as equals. And it just gave them that little bit of momentum, that little bit of something to say, we could do this, you know. It was just a blank canvas. And the cream rises to the top. Mark Marquez is obviously always in the conversation as one of the greatest MotoGP riders of all time. Yeah. Jan Mir is a Moto3 world champion, a MotoGP world champion. Exactly. Um, his win tally does not reflect how good that guy is on a motorcycle. No, like not at all. He's incredible. And yeah, they managed to just, Honda managed to pull it out of the bag this weekend. They did. Which probably, if we're going to talk about Honda pulling it out of the bag as well, we should probably mention the Yamahas because they also improved, which leads me on, this is part and parcel of what I was thinking. You know, again, fresh track, no data, come there, completely clean slate, and all of a sudden the results are there. You know, when you're not yeah. limited by constraint, if you will, suddenly you can do what you want to do. You know, you're not going by last year's data and you're dying it in thinking, oh, this is the setting we had. But yeah, it didn't quite work last year. So it's still not going to quite work this year. You know, suddenly it's time from a fresh and this is what we can do. Yeah, I do wonder on that note again, because it was really one of the Yamahas did very well. Um, and yes, I don't know, actually, I think where did... More they were close. finish. Well, they f- seventh and oh god, seventh and eleventh. 
seventh and eleventh. I can't even find his name in the championship. Here he is. Um, so it was seventh in the Grand Prix. Um, yeah. Wikipedia doesn't show me where he finished in the sprint, but we'll go with eleventh because I can't bother to. Oh, I it's somewhere. My computer we'll won't let me load off the, the web page to find it. <laughs> yeah, off the top of my head, I cannot remember because again, a whirlwind weekend. Um, but whatever happens, all these guys look better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it can't just be down to we've had a little test, we found some little bits, bloody blah. No, that would be easier if it was just one of them, if it was just Yamaha, yeah. if it was just Honda that had performed pretty well. We know this track was super grippy as well, which we know the Honda's like, and we know the Yamaha's like a super grippy trap, uh, track. Yeah. So we know that that could have a part to play in it. But yeah, I think, and I've written this here, that I think there might be something funky going on with the data collection for the Japanese factories. Because we go to a new track and all of the Japanese bikes, at least the factory Hondas and the Yamahas, seem to just perform better than they've performed all year. It will be very interesting to see next year when we come back to this track if they perform this well again or whether it was just because it's a new track. And and again, maybe it's a combination. Maybe their data collection just isn't as good and maybe there's something weird going on. Maybe the European factories have cracked something with the way they process data year on year that the Japanese factories haven't managed to crack yet. And I don't know what that could possibly be. I I have absolutely no idea. But that was just a a theory that came to mind. Or whether it is just that it's an equal playing field of riders and we're looking at three world champions, a guy and a guy who finished second in 2020 and was really good and won a bunch of races. And when he was in his flow, was unstoppable. Mm. I don't know. We need an insider. We need a boots on the ground reporter. But I've got it here. So Fabio finished sixth in the sprint. And Morgadelli okay. was, he was the last of the finishes. He was 15th, 36 seconds behind. I think um, he had a big from, moment into turn one, though, didn't he? Um, on the first lap. Again, saw highlights, so missed this okay. bit if he did. But it does look seconds. like he, he didn't have a 36 second moment. No, no. And he was uh, 13 seconds behind um, Piro. So something happened. So Piro yeah. finished plus 23 seconds and Morbidelli was plus 36. So something happened. Something must have happened. He must have, also like said, weird to see Piro feeling well, like finishing at the back on a factory Ducati because he was replacing an Bassinini this weekend. Yes. Yeah, that was a, a little bit weird, but he is a standing rider. We don't know whether he was testing parts. Um, so there is every possibility he did that. But again, one of them finished really well. Considering, yeah. So you know, happy days are for them. Yeah, just a a really strong weekend from the Japanese bikes, and yeah, something something happened at this track that meant the the Japanese bikes were just in a position we've not seen them most of this year. Yeah, absolutely, and it only gets better in the uh, main race. It does, but before we get to the main race, we've got the final two spots in the sprint, and these are much more we normal. Have. These are much more what we expect. Pekko Bagnaia <laughs> yes. second, um, although he didn't look like Pekko Bagnaia. The bike looked really unstable under braking uh, all weekend. The rear was bouncing all over the place. It looked like really bad rear chatter, and I hadn't noticed this before on Pekko's bike at all. I know Danny Pedroza said that he was watching uh, Mazzano when he was behind Pecco. He was watching this rear wheel move and bounce in strange ways that he'd not seen before. Um, 
in all of his time in MotoGP. So he um, posited that maybe Ducati have got some funky way of keeping the rear wheel on the ground under braking. Um, he didn't suggest what that mechanism could be, but suggested there could be a mechanism there that potentially wasn't working quite so well at Misano or maybe. Um, or here, because it was really obvious in India at the the rear wheel mm. bouncing around. It looked very un-Peko. Peko's normally super, super stable on the brakes. Really, oh, really God, good. Yeah. It's very Lorenzo-esque, isn't he? Very smooth. Yeah, but it didn't look like that at all. Mm. It didn't look like his normal way of riding. So it's interesting that Danny Pedrosa noticed something as well and was suggesting that Ducati are working on a, a way and have been for a while, got a way to keep that rear wheel down, that maybe mm. there's something that's been tweaked that isn't quite working as well. No. Well, keep an eye on that this weekend. We'll see what happens at Mategi. It's going to be a, a point to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I do wonder, though, and it's not really been spoken about at all with Peko, but the guy's leg, man. Like, it's only a few weeks ago that he got his leg run over and he had bruising up his entire leg and it was just multiple colours. <clears throat> and it was, yeah, it was ruined. And it's just been completely forgotten about. So we yeah. talk about him being unstable under braking, maybe that's just because he can't move his, his weight around like he normally would. He can't use that leg in the same way he normally could. We know in the last round mm, uh, that he was well be. struggling and he was having to use a lot of upper body rather than use his legs. And maybe like, this is part of it. Maybe this is still affecting it. There's no way if his leg was as bruised as we've all been led to believe that it's now healed and he's 100%. There's no Ooh, chance. No. no, not at all. Not with all the training they do, prep, travel. There isn't the time. So, yeah, it could very well be um, part of the problem. Which we all know, anyone who's ridden a motorcycle, how reliant you are on your legs when you tip a bike in. You're not just hanging off the thing, you're holding on. You're tra not yeah. trailing leg, but your upside leg, if you will. I say you tip it at a right hand, your left leg is doing all the work. That's yeah, your legs are battered. always doing something. Even for riding on the road, your legs are doing something. And, but on yeah. these bikes, they're, not, they're barely on their seats. Like, they're no. on their feet on those pegs for most of the race so yeah you're almost riding it like a jockey yeah, yeah quite you're, you're on the balls of your feet you're not on the flats or your heels you're on the balls of your feet riding the damn thing wrestling it about so it could work that's a good point could well be affecting him um i can't yeah, we'll believe it's to... not <clears throat> no it must must be doing something but that's definitely a point to watch for this weekend keep an eye on that back back wheel and um, although it's a completely different track We'll see. But it's still a very, we're going to Mategi, it's a very heavy braking track. It's a very stop and go circuit. So that back yeah, wheel. Yeah, but there's two long straights. If they've not fixed the problem, that back wheel's going to be bouncing around all over the place. Mm. So, yeah, make a note, people, this weekend. <clears throat> Watch his back wheel and we'll see what happens. Mm. I do wonder as well for Peko, especially, but like a long haul flight is a chore, no matter that how is, fit yeah. you are, no matter what shape you're in. And these guys are going to be flying like pretty good. They're not flying in economy class here. <laughs> They're not on their 30 quid Ryanair flight across Europe. These guys are on good, good flights. And they, I imagine they're all in first class. But it's going to take its toll. And you're still for a long time. Peko must have had to get really well checked out with all that bruising before he was allowed to fly. I would imagine he, so. It's hard. If you get any bit severe bruising and try and fly, your doctor's probably going to tell you not to. Yeah, the risk of blood clot goes up massively. Mm -hmm. um, so unless he's, I don't know, healed it to the point where it is just superficial leftover bruising now um, that is starting to go. But also, 
I sort of forget if they are on these long haul flights and you know, let's say, let's say they're riding first class, there's plenty of room for them to get up and move around. And I would imagine we see them all the time with these um, like leg wraps on, inflatable leg wraps. There'd be room to take one of those as well. Compression oh, socks. And they're absolutely riding um, on flights with compression socks and things. I say absolutely, like I know that. I don't know that. But I imagine they are, they've got all of the best gear to just be flying with. Absolutely. I mean, even I wear, like, we go on short haul flights, three, four hours, go on holiday. I wear something because, you know, my blood flow is not that great on my blood thinners, so I have to. Yeah, exactly. That's a sensible thing. I sit in flights all the time. I'm that idiot that just jiggles their legs for the whole flight and I'm all constantly tensing to try and keep the blood flow going. I'm wandering up and down the aisles. I'm the idiot that hangs out by the toilets near the window just looking about, chatting to all the other idiots that do the same thing at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're the one causing the queue, aren't you? Everyone thinks you're queuing up for the bog and really you're just hanging out. You're like the bloke in the kitchen at the party. You're like, yeah, this is Yeah, exactly. I'm just looking for someone to talk to. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> just that weirdo hanging out by the toilets. Hello. Yeah, exactly. Someone comes in with their wet wipes. I'm like, oh, number two, is it? GG. Yep. Room for a little one. <laughs> and uh, speaking of little ones, Steve, Jorge Martin won the sprint. Seamless. Uh, thank you. Crushed it. Uh, Jorge Martin looked really good in the sprint. Just got did. away, got the lead off the line, and then was away. Um, Never if Bezeki had been up front, it would have been a very different story. But it wasn't, and Martin no. won another sprint. Taking his, I feel like this guy's won a lot of sprints this year. How many has he won? Uh, three, I believe. One, two, three, four. This was his fourth oh, sprint win. Close. You were close, Steve. You were close. We're always close, aren't we? We're just kind of like, just snipping at it. Yeah. So his fourth sprint win, but his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth sprint podium so far oh. this year. Yeah, the guy is a master of the short races. He loves it. <clears throat> Isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Martin's year this year. He's He's been doing some yeah. special stuff this year. Um, much, much better. This is the Martin that I think we all expected to see after his first year in MotoGP, where he won in his rookie year and was looking amazing. And then last year, it didn't really work for him. But this year, Martin is back with a vengeance. And if yeah. it was this Martin last year... He'd be the one in red right now, and probably the one seeing a home injured because yeah, probably. that's what's happened to Bastianini. <laughs> yeah, that bloke has not bounced this year, Jesus. Um, yeah, fantastic sprint win for him. Um, t- ticking up the uh, trophy tally, so yeah, happy days. Exactly, and closing in on the championship lead. Yeah, he only closed in mm. a couple of points uh, over Bagnaia. Uh, how many points would it have been? Three points he would have closed in on Bagnaia after the sprint. Points of points. Um, points to points and it closes that championship gap down yeah does not matter how how many points you get if you're closing it down every little helps exactly and then we have the grand prix steve yes so fifth place and this is the full length race here fifth place was a uh, mere fourth once again brad binder <laughs> Just Someone really needs to get him a little trophy, a little medal, fourth place. I wonder if the team gives him one every time he gets back now because he's had so many fourth place finishes. And they're like, here, have a little. <laughs> it's like one of those gold coins you get at Christmas. I'm like, here, here's your trophy. Oh, a little chocolate one. <laughs> yeah, a little chocolate coin. Here, mate. It does feel like a lot of fourth places, but now I look at it, actually, it's, it's really not that many. He got fourth no. in Assen in the Grand Prix. He's he just got consistent. Fourth 
Yeah, fourth in the sprint in Catalonia and then fourth in both the sprint and the Grand Prix in India. So it's not that many fourths, but it does it's feel not, like a lot. It's, <laughs> it's just because he's always so good on a Sunday. He always manages to close up a gap. You know, mm-hmm. he scored, what was he on, 192 points this season so far, fourth in the championship. The guy's had some yeah. really good points um, tally up so far. And just, yeah. He's, consistent. he's so consistent without being the winner or on the podium. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just always a good point score and finish. Yeah. And it pretty much There's is, actually, isn't it? There's only, what, uh, one, two, two, three occasions this year that he's finished a race not in the top six. Yeah. That's not Four occasions, coming. sorry. Four occasions. Yeah, that's pretty good going. Yeah, isn't it? That's uh, yeah, a good run from Brad Binder. But that's kind of what we expect. And like we said before, if KTM just sort it out and just give him half a percent more, Brad Binder's a title threat. Absolutely. All day long. And it'd be really good to see a South African champion. Um, Have we had a South African champion before? uh, Yes. Oh, God. What was the guy's name? I don't think we have. It wasn't... um, Are we thinking the guy that was Rhodesian? Uh, might he, be. Yeah, I don't think we've had a South African champion, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there has been one before, but I can't. I think I am thinking of the um, Rhodesian champion. Um, we'll have to look it up and correct ourselves. Um, there has definitely been a, a champion from the African continent. I'm sure there is. Yeah, I think Gary Hocking. Um, yeah. He was Rhodesian, I think. Uh, did he win? I think he won. Yeah, he won in... When did he win? Hang on, that's the African continent. That's, that's the African continent. Oh, yes, yeah. I'm getting myself confused now. Yeah, I think, was it Gary Hawking? Oh, I can't remember now. I don't think there's ever been a South African world champion, but maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Sure I'll look it up. I'll correct myself. <clears throat> yeah, someone. And if you don't, Steve, someone will get us, and that's fine. Um, oh God, I'm sure there's going to be some of the uh, South African listeners are going to be like, right, we're sorting this shit out. They're like that. You two need to sort your shit out, or we're just not listening to your show anymore. That's <laughs> what they're here for. Um, so then the podium, Steve, in the Grand Prix. Speaking of Japanese manufacturers, Fabio Quattararo finished. Th- third place and considering how much track time he lost in p1 he had two mechanical failures in p1 uh, or practice one sorry um and lost almost all of that first practice session which is a really important session when you come to a new circuit (laughs) yep you need all the track time all the data everything and this guy just he had such bad luck from it off i think everyone kind of thought he was just going to be cursed this entire weekend but you know we've already broached on how well the Japanese manufacturers did this weekend. This guy just, you know, back on the podium. must have been such a relief for him. You know, yeah, quite. Jubilation when he went back into the, paddock, uh, into the pit. I, I bet there's a party and a half. I bet there was an absolute banging party going on at Yamaha this weekend. Yeah, and rightly so. Much deserved. Um, but again, let's get to Mategi. Let's see what happens if they replicate both Honda and Yamaha replicate this kind of result, even if they're in the top five, one of them, any of them. Um, we know they've kind of tipped a corner, but if they're both yes. down to being, you know, 
quali one and struggling to get in the top 10 we know it's just there's something they found at this one track there's no chance fabio and yamaha are back anywhere near the front in japan no chance maybe honda can do it again Mm. quite a grippy circuit very stop and go that's quite good for the honda there's no chance the yamaha's up there again (laughs) we will see i'm hopeful but i'm not hopeful but not optimistic (laughs) yes yeah yeah we'll go with that one Okay, so second place then, Steve, in this one, Jorge Martin. Um, Jorge Martin was wrecked at the end of this race, and he actually passed out when he went into pit lane. Uh, He he essentially collapsed in pit lane once he got into towards Park Ferme. Um, The heat and everything properly got to him in this race, and it was quite evident at the end of the race. We had his leather malfunctions, which we'll come on to, but um, he really really struggled with the heat full stop and you saw that in the last couple of laps he was making he was his braking markers were all wrong he was running wide he was really suffering at the time like we were like what the fuck's this guy doing he's been crushing it his tire's gone what's happening and then you saw him yeah. a bit lane afterwards and there's the medical directors there and everyone really checking him out feeding fluids to him like he was so dehydrated and so gone and the guy's got no body fat on him. Like, there's there's nowhere for him to store liquid like, at all. So it's nope. really <clears throat> tough. But, yeah, he was properly trashed. Yeah, it goes to show, doesn't it? Although, all right, it's a hell of a hot place. The humidity, the heat, you're there for a long time. It's stifling. You're wearing this insane leather suit and just basically straddling a rocket. It yeah. generates more heat than we can bloody comprehend. Um it doesn't matter how physically fit you are, they're only human. And yep. we've seen it before, these guys suffer. So, I mean, in, in all honesty, he probably did really well to finish the race. Um, oh, by the state of him, mate, I cannot believe he finished the race. When you saw him in, in pit lane afterwards, I cannot believe he got to the end of the race. Like, there was, it wasn't safe. Absolutely was not safe. But you, how the fuck do you please that? There's no way to please it. Um, no, not but, at all. Yeah it's incredible that he managed to get to the end and, and managed to then scrap because he was scrapping with Fabio Quattararo. I know. Overtook him at one point and then, whoa, the move he did around the outside of Quattararo and then oh, sliced no. a nose off the front of that Yamaha uh, overtaking him on the outside. Like, it was wild. The, the stuff he was able to do considering his physical state was incredible. Absolutely. It, yeah, hats off to the guy. Super fit, super bride. Shame he couldn't get the win, but... A certain someone won it by an absolute fucking mile. Yep, and that certain someone was the guy that finished fifth in the sprint when Marco Bezzecchi, absolutely unstoppable in the main race, which again proved that if he hadn't have been nerfed off in the first corner of the sprint, he'd have done the double this weekend. Um, Bezzecchi won by nearly 10 seconds, just absolutely crushed it. And in complete contrast to Martin, looked fresh as a fucking daisy when he got off that bike like he was so so chill he climbed up the rigging um of one of the camera rigging so he could wave and shout at the crowd like it was wild he just looked so happy and healthy and just like he'd wandered down to the corner shop and back like there was just nothing about him that said yeah i've just done this really hot race and and everyone else is wrecked like he was just so chill yeah, it's amazing what adrenaline can do. Um, I'm sure he felt it later, but yeah, he, he complete contrast. You know, like I saw a little shot of this, and he's up the tower, and you think, "How the fuck did you get up there, Spider Man?" Um, yeah, quite. You know, I'm sure when he got down, he's probably like, 
Oh, knackered. But, you know, he, conditioning. You know, the guy's conditioning was obviously just that fraction better. Or, for whatever reason, he just coped better with the heat. Um, but yeah. And some people just can. Some people yeah. can just cope with the heat better than others. And obviously, Marco Bedecki is one of the people that can just deal with it. And maybe Jorge Martin is a guy that can't deal with it quite so well. And there's just nothing you can do. You can do as much uh, heat training as you like. Some people can just deal with it and some people can't. It's like being altitude. It just There's no real way to explain or predict how it's going to work. But no. Bedecki was incredible. All weekend, just incredible. Yeah, he really was. Much deserved win. Um, and with that, Steve, yes. Paco Vagnaia crashed out of this one. He crashed out from second place when he crashed. He'd just overtaken Jorge Martin. He crashed out of the race, which meant he gave up 20 points at the time, but he gave up 25 points to Marco Bezzecchi, and he gave up 20 points to Jorge Martin, which means this championship is getting tight. There is only 13 is points up top now between Jorge That's Martin lovely. and Paco Vagnaia. There was a 60-something point gap at one point a few rounds ago. And that's just completely disappeared now. Um, 13 points between Martin and Bagnaya, like I say, and there is, oh, I'm trying to do maths on the fly, but it's not going uh, my 44. way. 44 points between Bezeki and Bagnaya. 44 feels like a lot to overcome. 13 is possible. Still doable. It's still doable. Um, you know, when we say there's 37 points available over a weekend now, it's. It takes Bagnaya, you know, another bad weekend, uh, a couple of crashes, and this championship is just blown apart. Yeah, Bagnaya is no saint. He, we've seen him crash multiple times through, for whatever reason, be it pressure or just making a mistake. You know, he's done it before. Where he has given up a shed load of points through making mistakes. So there's nothing to say that we aren't going to see him suddenly realise, you know, coming into Mategi, shit, bad weekend, got to push, got to win. Bins it again? I uh, yeah, I thought that to start with, but the more I think about it, the more I actually wonder whether Peko Bagnaya is better under pressure. I think Peko Bagnaya, when there's no pressure, starts crashing. When there's loads of pressure, doesn't crash. And I mean championship pressure. I don't mean race by race pressure. I mean championship pressure because we saw this at the last year. He dug himself out of a ninety-one point hole. He had all of the championship pressure in the world and he rode like an absolute demon for the half of the year and just yeah. crushed it. But yeah, when there was no point. pressure at the start of the year, he kept crashing. He's done pretty well this year so far. He had a few crashes at the start. The pressure built. He managed to build a huge gap. All of a sudden there was no pressure and he starts crashing again. I think he works opposite to how most people work. Yeah, that is true. A lot of people do operate better under pressure. You know, they come into their own, where if you give them multiple tasks, there's a crisis. The guy who is just your average Joe suddenly shines. Um, I've really stepped to the forefront. It's very feasible that you're right. You know, when he's under no pressure at the start of the season, he's relaxed and confident and happy and enjoying his riding. That's when, you know, maybe you're not dialed in. You've just got that little train, strange thought, you know. <laughs> what we're going to have on my pizza tonight. And then when the pressure's on and you've got a dial and focus and you've got the blinkers on, you can't see the world around you, that's when they come to life. Mm. Yeah, and I think Paco Bagnar is one of those people. Because I think a lot of us think we work well under pressure, but very few of us do. I think Paco Bagnar is someone that works very well under severe yeah. championship pressure. Yeah, I think you could be right, actually. 
Um, but we'll have to wait and see. We also we know, sure. though, when he crashes, he tends to crash just after he's overtaken someone. He overtakes yeah. someone, he does one or two laps, he then crashes. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's that, I don't know, he's so used to riding behind someone for a few laps, he's judging his braking markers based on them. As soon as they're gone, he's got to make sure he gets all his braking points right again. And maybe that takes him a few laps, and they're the few risky laps. Yeah, very possibly. Um yeah, very, very, yeah, very good point. Actually, I hadn't considered it before. You could very well have hit the nail on the head. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see how the rest of the season plays out. As we go into Japan, I suspect the Ducatis are going to be the favourites for this race. But um, yes, we'll have to, yeah, wait and see on that one. Bye. Okay, Steve. Let's take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive into the rest of the MotoGP talking points we haven't yet covered, and then we will recap our predictions, preview Japan very quickly. Let's do that, buddy. Good stuff. So, guys, bear with us for just one moment, and we will be right back with you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for bearing with us. We are back. Bladders are empty. Beer is still half full. full. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a good maybe a third to a half full. So it's enough to get us through the, uh, the last few bits of the show, Steve. Yeah, nice. Um, so the talking points here, Steve, um, we yes. kind of discussed the race distance was shortened and this was due to the heat and humidity. Um, mm, have we reasons. ever seen exactly this was the riders, the riders asked for it to be shortened. Um, Michelin were pretty confident the tires would easily have lasted the distance. Mm. This isn't, um, Australia 2013 that uh, got a, no. a tire freak out going on here. Everyone was pretty confident the tyres would last, and this was the riders. The riders said, we cannot do this, we need the race shortened. So the race was shortened, and that's fine. I'm super pro this. If the riders don't think it's safe, we should do everything we can to make sure it's safe for them. So that's yes. all good. No problems there at all. Um, but have we ever seen a race shortened due to weather conditions, but due to heat, not due to weather, because we've seen red flags due to rain and stuff before. Yeah. Have we ever seen it done because it's too hot? Not that I can remember. Um, not off the top of my head. Um, lots and lots for like weather conditions for rain, wind, whatever reason, mist. Um, I can never remember one for heat. This is the first, but then we've just travelled to a very hot new country, so it's just a new thing that we've had to encounter. Um, you know, the more we go, the more we get used to it. But no, I can't ever remember one for um for the heat before. But 
Yeah, no, me neither. Not like this. I know we've seen it because of other rain conditions or other weather conditions, and usually they're kind of red flagged a few laps yes. before the end. That's normally how that goes. It's very rare that it's pre-planned to be shorter. Yeah. Um, but it might be something we have to start seeing more. We're going to really hot countries. We're going to really humid countries now. In and a number of them that you know, in previous decades of MoGP, we've we've not done flyaways like we're doing them now. No. And it, yeah, it's one of those things. Maybe this is something that's going to happen more and more. We're going to get to track. We're going to get to places like Thailand, Indonesia, maybe even Japan. We're going to get to these circuits, and they're going to be like, we can't do this. This is just not right. We need to make these shorter. So maybe this is something we're going to have to get used to. Yeah, I think it is. As the world heats up, we're just going to have to get used to it. Um, that like, all... There's an interesting irony as well about the amount of big oil sponsors, and this race was good for it because we were sponsored by Indian Oil here. It's quite funny to me the amount of huge carbon emitting uh, sponsors that we have here: the Aramcos, um, the, the the Indian Oil, the oil giant Shell, and stuff. Um, all sponsor MotoGP. I, so I find it almost amusing that yeah, exactly. We're living in this world where we're having to shorten races because the world is heating up, and yet we're still allowing the main cause of the world heating up to be sponsoring the races. It's quite a weird. Um, it's a strange scenario, isn't it? It's but, some strange cognitive dissonance to be able to deal with the fact that Asport exists because of these people, but Asport is being shrunk and made shorter because of these people. It's it's bizarre, but this is where the money's at, and we need the money to make the races happen. You know, until we get a fully, I don't know, green energy series with a green energy backer. Um, you know, only then can we say, you know, we've we've turned a corner. Our carbon footprint has come down by, I don't know, 60%. Um, it's not us anymore, if you will. Um, yeah. And we can start saying, well, you know, we've done our part. Do your part. Um, at the minute, we're ultimately still contributing to it. So look at the amount of air miles that these guys put up. So, you know, it's a funny thing. We want the fossil fuels to burn, but at the same time, we want the races. But we're not going to see the races if we're killing the place. So... Bizarre. Enjoy it while it lasts, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's a bizarre scenario. You know, it, it's like you know, it's when you're lactose intolerant and you're banging back the ice cream. You just fucking love the cheese. Yes, when you love it, but you know later on your throne is going to take a pounding. Exactly. It's like having a really good curry. It was a bit oh. too spicy, but it was worth it in the moment. Oh, I had a katsu the other night, and it was just <laughs> on that cusp. Of being too spicy, I still ate it, of course. Um, oh, yeah, that was, and that's why I didn't hear cusp. from you for three days. No, I was strapped to the bog. Um, <laughs> oh, I left my phone in the bedroom with half my jeans, the half I could take off. Yeah, just crawled, clawed with one arm to the toilet. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Um, it's also interesting to me, the heat and how bad the Aprilias are in this high heat. We saw this Ooh. a lot last year, and Alicia Spargo has spoken about this a lot uh, in the last few years, in fact, that the Aprilia really struggles in the heat. And it struggled again this weekend. Uh, yeah, Alicia didn't finish the, the Grand Prix. Um, a nope. gearbox problem that was brought on by heat. Um, so, obviously, this is a, an issue more with the Aprilia than any other machine for some yeah. reason. Just some way that bike is built is really struggling, but this is a problem I pretty need to sort out because we saw a pretty fall apart at the hot flyaways last year. Their championship yes. challenge completely disappears during the flyaways. And it looks like what's been an amazing season for a is going to go the same way. If India is anything to be judged by here. 
Yeah, it's just a thing for Aprilia to work on. Obviously, all the other manufacturers have got on top of it. It could even literally be down to something small. It's just the position of something in the bike is affecting airflow, cooling, anything. Um, yeah. but there's nothing that anyone could do except Aprilia just need to get on top of it. Exactly. And I guess if you're Aprilia as well, this hasn't been your main problem. The flyaways haven't been your main no. issue. It's let's make a bike that can win everywhere else and then we'll worry about the flyaways. It's not like you can just look what it took Ducati to become this force they are. It took exactly. them over a decade uh, to become consistent race winning machines everywhere. Brilliant are now a race winning machine and you can count on them for a win or two a season, I think, uh, judging by the last couple of years exactly. anyway. Um, so they'll just. This is just something to start working on for them now. Let's get the cooling package yeah. smaller. Let's get everything working. Yeah, it's just one of those boxes they need to tick. They've done everything else, and now it's time to tackle this problem. Um, it's just how it is. They worked their way through the to-do list, and now this is the one at the top. Yeah, hopefully this is the one at the top. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, it's also quite interesting that this weekend, <laughs> this tickled me somewhat. I didn't realize this was happening at the time. Speaking uh, up top of the show, I, we talk about it kind of going off without a hitch, at least from the viewer's point of view, the race weekend went off without a hitch. Mm. But it turns out uh, that actually briefly all of the marshals went on strike because it was so hot and they weren't given any food or water. So they just were like, nah, we're not doing it until you help us, um, which is fucking fair enough. More power yeah, to them. If the whole race weekend couldn't go ahead because we didn't look after the marshals, then fuck me, that, that would have been an embarrassment. But thankfully, it took a little bit of industrial action and they were given their food and water and everything was fine. So anyone that tells you industrial action doesn't work uh, did not pay any attention to what happened at uh, the Bud Circuit this weekend. All right. Basic human needs is just... Food and water, kind of two essential things that we need. It's, um, it's just wild that this wasn't considered. How did they all just get forgotten about? <laughs> yeah, everyone was so concerned with like homologating the track, you know, the catering wagon, what rocked up. We're like, well, I got, oh shit. Yeah, I've got four bottles of water and three burgers here. Is that enough for everyone? You're like, oh, yeah. man, unless you're Jesus, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like suddenly someone find him quick. Um, yeah, exactly. We've got to feed the five thousand here. Let's let's crack on. Yeah, yeah. You imagine that person in logistics or purchasing procurement who stood there and was like, "What wasn't on my list?" And someone just flips the page over and they're like, "Oh, oh, there was two pages." Yeah, oh, right. You wrote on the back. Two pages. <laughs> oh shit! I didn't know we were doing that. Now I thought we were still single-sided printing. I didn't realize we were printing on two sides. My bad. <laughs> yeah, didn't re- yeah didn't realize we were doing that. Shit. My bad. I'll nip down the co-op. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Costco or whatever it is they have out there. I don't know. Uh, I have absolutely no idea. I've never been to India. I don't know what their version of 7-Eleven. What if they have 7-Eleven? It's big in Southeast Asia. I don't know if it's in India, yeah. though. I don't know. Yeah, there must be a... There will be a big chain supermarket like that or something like that, I'm sure. But I don't know what it is. We'll call it, we'll call it co-op for now. Yeah. Do they have Costco out there? I don't know. I've never been in a Costco. Um, I know no. they have Costco in Scotland, though. That's That was interesting to me when I found that out, but I've never no. been to a Costco. No. What's the other one? What's the other big American one? Kmart. Um, Kmart. I've never been in a Kmart either. No, I've never been. Well, I just I just stick up the local corner shop. Um, I just yeah, exactly. Grumpy's. You go to, what's it called? Grumpy's, that's it. Yeah, Grumpy's in the corner. It used to be Tattersall's when I was at high school. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, the I'll high school just around there. the corner from there. 
Yeah, just big enough to cater for all your needs, but not quite big enough to that you could get all you want, if that makes any sense at all. Um, it's where I do the beer run, Steve, when I'm in Norfolk heading down to your house. I go there for the beer run. That's where I go, because they have some really good chillers in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's one thing that baffles me, right? And this is a massive tangent. We're coming on about beer now. But I go in the local supermarkets to us around here, and they've got rows and rows of beer on shelves. Right, none of it in coolers, and on each can is serve chilled. So you've got to yeah. take it home, and you've got to freeze it. If I want a beer, because I'm a casual drinker, I maybe have one can like every now and again. Usually, when you're back, bad influence. Um, but that's okay because I buy the chilled beer and just bring it to your house and put it in your fridge before I even sit there. Often, Steve, I let myself into your house and I go to the fridge and I put the beer in the fridge before I've even seen you. That's pretty much what happens. I'm upstairs with the kids, and I hear the door go. I'm like. I really hope that's Tim. I'm putting a lot of trust in this person downstairs. And yeah. the telly. That's it. And then you hear the fridge go, oh, yeah, that was Tim. That's yeah, definitely Tim. <laughs> to see if a beer can get cracked open. I was like, that's my boy. <laughs> but yeah, I go to the local corner shop, and in there are these massive banks of, like, icy cold chillers full of beer. It's an entire side of the shop as well. It's, yeah. it's not even like, it's, it's taking up, I don't know, a fifth of the store. 20% of the store is the beer chillers in that shop. Yeah. It's, it's it's a hell of a thing to behold. You walk in, and obviously it gets more diluted as you come down to your cheeses, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is next to the beer. Uh, obviously, your two basic food groups, beer and cheese. Um, beer and cheese. What more do you need in life? <laughs> exactly. Beer, cheese, toasty when you're pissed. Um, that's how we roll. But, yeah, I go in there, and these things, they hurt your hand when you pick them out because they're that cold. That's how beer is supposed to be served. There is an irony, isn't there, that I, it's just occurred to me that you go to a supermarket and your beer isn't chilled, but you go to the petrol station where you've probably driven in and your beer is chilled. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. It's, it's a bizarre world. You know, in my eyes, I'm thinking, take the peas and the carrots or whatever else is frozen, the chips, out of the freezers and just chuck the beer in there. That's fair. Maybe I'll do that next time I'm in a supermarket. First sweep of the supermarket, get the beer, hide it under the peas, do the rest of your shop, then you get your beer out from the peas, and then you're good to go. There we go. That's our tip for the day. Hide your beer under the peas. I used to do it at Lidl's when I was at high school. Going to Lidl's first thing in the morning in the summer, because you used to get the ice poles from Lidl's, but yes. they were unfrozen. First thing in the morning, you go in there, you don't buy anything, you get your ice poles, you hide them in the bottom of the freezer. When you finish school for the day, you go back and you fetch them, and they're frozen and good to go. Oh, Skills, like it. Yeah, that's always the way. And always the confusion on the staff in Niddles as uh, <laughs> as you've managed to buy a frozen ice poles. And like, we don't even tell these. Like, well, you do now, my friend. Crack on. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> and you're yeah, done. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, anyway. Yes, where were we? Motorbikes. <laughs> Motorbikes and leather. Uh, Jorge Martin's leathers, to be precise here. Mm. So we saw towards the end of the MotoGP race, um, Martin had dropped a bunch of time. Um, yes. And this was kind of before the heat exhaustion had seemingly got to him. And uh, we got a shot from his uh, onboard camera of his leathers coming unzipped. And it was very reminiscent of Quattararo. Is it Barcelona 2021? And there was yeah. this moment where you're like, oh, no. You're like, oh, he's going to get black flagged. Something's going to happen. He's just dropped a bunch of points. He was really closing in on this championship, and he's just about to lose all those points. Oh, this is such a shame. And I did initially thought he'd undone it himself, but um, no, it looked like it was later revealed a Velcro fastener at the top of his leathers wasn't actually secured correctly on the line. So um, the zip had just slipped down throughout the race. 
But thankfully for Martin, he received a message on his dashboard from Race Control, which just read equipment, which prompted prompted him to fix the issue uh, before he got landed with a penalty. And I have to say, I don't know how many people listening have ever tried to do up a zip while riding a motorcycle, but it's not an easy task. Keeping a hand on the handlebar, trying to do up a zip and get it done and only lost a second. He only lost a second um, insane, on Fabio Quattararo doing that up. Like, incredible the way he managed to do that. I was very impressed. Yeah, that was some talent. And those zips aren't bit any bigger than your ordinary zip. And then you put your hand in this quite cumbersome glove. He did yeah. well. He did really well. Um, that's some talent. These guys are multi-talented. Not only can he ride a motorbike very well, he's very adverse to doing up zips. Um, yeah, exactly. Very good with yeah. his fingers, one way, Martin. He is. But yeah, at first I thought the same thing. Christ, he's undone his leathers. Here we go again. Yeah, little simple thing as a Velcro fastener. Yeah, quite. Um, but it wasn't quite as egregious. He didn't take his chest protector out like Fabio Quattraro did that time. So no. he did just manage to do his zip back up, but it was fine. He was job done. He managed to complete the race in second place. Um, Happy closing days. in, as we've discussed, on our championship lead. <laughs> um, last two points then, Steve. And this is two injuries for Ducati riders who are not now going to be running in Japan. Well, one of them definitely not. The other no. most likely not. Um Luca Marini out for Japan, certainly after his first corner crash um, with Zeki. Luca Marini broke his collarbone. He flew back to Europe uh, for surgery pretty much straight away. Um, hopefully after a couple of weeks off, he'll be able to come back for Indonesia. Um, he's also going to have a long lap penalty for said collision uh, in the next race he competes in. We'll see when that is. But I think it's looking like he'll be back for Indonesia, but we'll wait and see. It sounds like it. Um, yeah. Uh collarbone injury it's not like we haven't seen those before but you know haven't seen one this season so far so or have we no we did start the race the start of the year didn't we i uh, feel like we must have done mate i feel like every yeah. year someone gets a collarbone it's injury because we haven't had one for some time now um, well there's just been so many injuries this year that we've just lost track of who's broken what yeah it's been legs and all sorts of it seems like bigger i say bigger Different injuries. Well, the collarbone's sort of a collarbone's a weird one because once it's plated up, a collarbone's like structurally it's, fine. It's good, to go. it's good to go, but geez, it's sore. Like yeah. it will hurt a lot. So if they can push through the pain barrier, and assuming they don't crash again, which is a big mm. scary one, um, then they're fine. But do you remember when it was 2013? Lorenzo smashed his collarbone. Uh, bits, Friday didn't he? back racing Sunday. And then the next weekend crashed again and bent the uh, bent the yeah. plate. Had to was that Lorenzo or was that Pedroza? Uh, I think that was Lorenzo because uh, he had to have the, the plate replaced, didn't he? But yeah, the initial one was crashed on the Friday, surgery Saturday, flew back and raced Sunday, and then you saw those incredible shots. Or something? Yeah, saw those incredible shots of him in the garage, like pretty much in tears. The team yeah. holding ice packs all over him. It's just and lifting him off the bike, essentially. Yeah. Superhuman effort. So, in light of that, I can't I fucking blame Marini for sitting out Japan at all. Let it heal. No, quite. Um, it's just nuts. Um, but yeah, all his own yeah, fault, we'll really. Well, absolutely, all his own fault. There's no two ways about that. Um, no, yeah, it was a pretty egregious late-breaking maneuver. We've seen a lot yeah. of these pretty egregious late-breaking maneuvers this year that have involved in a lot of first-turn incidents. Yes, yeah, that seems to have been one of the traits this year. 
we always see first lap incidents. You know, people get, but it seems to be just people getting punted wide. Sometimes you have a, a faller, but it tends to be a low side. This side seems to result in multiple riders getting caught up and tangled up in it. And yeah. It, it, something's changed to cause this. But I don't I, know what it is because everyone was saying it's ride height devices and stuff, but we've also seen it in Moto2 this year. Yeah, um, so it, it seems to be a lot. I don't know what's going on. It seems to be just a turning point where everyone's just getting caught up with each other. Mm. I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Yeah, some strange cool. stuff is happening and I don't know what it is. Evolu- uh, evolution. Let's put it down to evolution. evolution of, yeah. <laughs> put it down to evolution. Survival of the fittest. Don't crash. Yeah. You're going to continue. And, uh, you'll yeah. sow we'll your seed and you will continue to have more MotoGP rider babies. Exactly. We'll put it down to that. It's just simply down to evolution. <laughs> um, the other injured rider then this weekend, Steve, was mm. Alex Marquez. Uh, he had a crash at the end of Q1 after posting a top two time, which put him into Q2. Um, but oh, he yeah. broke three ribs in his crash, and it looked oh. like a pretty normal crash. But he came down really thought... hard on his ribs, um, and yeah, made it through to Q2. Didn't take the track again all weekend. He seems to say there's a 90% chance he won't be back for Japan. So Ribs a rib isn't yeah, a rib isn't like a collarbone. Because although again, generally, unless it's a really properly dodgy rib break that's gonna perforate some internal organ, you'd probably be fine as long as you don't crash again. But geez, the pain. The pain yeah. of a rib break is silly. I've cracked a rib before, got hit by a, a hockey ball. And, um, oh jeez, that's a whoa, that's a painful way to break a rib, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, that was only a crack. I remember being at high school and just taking it. I was just like whoa, and like every breath afterwards, was yeah. like, oh, shallow breaths, shallow breaths, shallow breaths. And um, to hop on one of these things, wrestle a little about deep breaths because it's going to be hot in Mategi as well. Absolute fuck no. I yeah, would exactly. not be even considerate. And mine was only just a crack. It wasn't even three breaks. And the bruise I had was insane. And I'm, yeah, yeah, I saw this. was like, yeah, I'd fucking sit out the rest of the season, mate. Yeah, quite. Just wait till next year when you and your bro are teammates and you can just ride around together for the year. Yeah, just wave at the crowd. Look, team Marquez Grassini, whatever it's going to be called. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a There's win-win the... for Alex Marquez, actually, isn't it? Team Marquez Grassini, because no one's expecting him to be anywhere near Mark Marquez. But if he's no. anywhere near him or even beats him on occasion, everyone will be oh. like, fuck Alex, look at him go. Yeah, everyone will be so stoked for him. You know, the dad won't have to swap between garages. Oh my God, he can just <clears> sit <throat> in the Grassini box for the entire race. That'll be great. Yeah, he can get one name, just put Marquez across the back of his shirt. Um, <laughs> have to quickly swap, you know, running down pit lane. Fucking hell, which one am I going to put on now? Oh, that's um, a good point. They'd have joint merch. Have we ever seen joint team merch before where you could get a, a team's um, T-shirt that's got two numbers on? Because you know for a fact there'll be a Grassini T-shirt with a 73 and a 93 on it. No, I'm going to say hell no. Um no. If if it has, it's been done in a different class somewhere. I yeah. seriously don't remember it in this. It'd be a hell of a thing to see. I'd love Yeah, wouldn't it? it. I'm, I'd consider I'm buying all one. All for this. Yeah. All for this. Yeah, me too. I'm all over it, mate. I'm, I I really hope it happens. But we will wait and see. Yes, we sit with bated breath. Come on. 
make it quite. Um, it's also worth noting that for the next weekend in Japan, um, neither VR46 nor Grassini are obligated to replace their injured riders. They've not had that 10-day nope. window. It will be for Indonesia if neither either of these riders cannot race. Uh, the team will be obligated to replace them, but they don't have to do so for Japan. No, no, the timing is just too quick. Exactly. And, you know, with uh, Michele Piro already being used up and um, <clears throat> Alvaro Bautista getting his wildcard in Japan, uh, in Malaysia later in the year, there's mm. not that many people that can just jump on a Ducati and be good to go. And apologies for a weird moment of silence then. I misinterpreted what was happening. I thought Steve was telling me my mic had gone dodgy and telling me sharp, but actually Steve was raising, raising his hand to tell me that he would be the person. I'd quite have to step in. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, Steve, you don't have the uh, the correct license for racing a MotoGP bike. So, yeah, we'd have to give that one a miss. Minor or maybe you could score that point and buy your house. So it would be an option. Mm. Oh, that was comedy gold. We've got to start. <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. There's me with my oh, hand in me, yeah, like expecting Tim to come back, and all of a sudden I go, recording stopped. I was like, oh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just there getting confused about what was happening. I assumed if I had to hit my mic or something. Anyway, oh. let's crack it on, Steve. We need to recap our predictions before we preview. No, uh, let's not pre do it. Preview? Preview. Oh, they're not that bad. They're not great, um, but they're not that bad. They're not the worst we've ever had. No, exactly, but they're not the best. So let's no. go. Um, the sprint, Steve. The actual result looked like this. Jorge Martin won the race. Pekka Bagnaya was second. Mark Marquez was third. I predicted an Oliveira win. Woof, shout the bed on that one. Oliveira did yeah. not do very well this weekend yeah, at we all. we both did on that one. Neither did any of the Aprilias, so what are you going to do? Um, okay. We both got that one very wrong. Um yeah, I predicted Oliveira, Bagnaia, Martin. So I got two of the podium positions and one of them mm. right. Uh, you predicted Oliveira, Bagnaia, Bezeki. So you got, again, uh, one of them in the right position. No, you picked me on that one. You had Martin. For the Grand Prix then, it was a Marco Bezeki win, a Jorge Martin second, and a Fabio Quattararo third. I predicted it was going to be Bagnaia, Martin, Bezeki. You predicted Bagnaya, Bezeki, Oliveira. So, um, not got so two. great. Oh, I did get two, didn't I? Just yeah. in the wrong places. Oh, no, again, I got second place right. So that's fine. You have done me this weekend. Yeah. Th thank you very much, Steve. I'll, uh, I'll take it because I feel like you've been crushing me this year in this game. Well, it's all a guess. It's all a guess. Um, right. And then, Steve. We yes. come to the Twin Ring Mateki in Japan for oh, yeah. the next round of MotoGP. So this race weekend is featuring MotoGP, Moto2 and Moto3. Obviously, MotoE is over now for the year. Done. Done and dusted. Uh, and the circuits, that's Steve. The Twin Ring Mategi is 2.98 miles, which is just a bit shy of 5k. Um, there are 14 corners, eight of them right-handers, six left-handers, and it's a 15-metre-wide track. The longest straight is 762 metres, and it first appeared on the MotoGP calendar in 1999. And this is a very stop-and-go track. There's very few high-speed yeah. corners. I'm really interested to see how the Hondas do around here. 
Um, I don't think, as I said, I don't think the Yamahas are going to do much at all, but the Hondas could do something potentially. Yeah. Of the two Japanese <clears throat> manufacturers, you would have to go with Honda. So, yeah, I'm I'm also very interested to do, see what they do. After last weekend's results, which are very good, I'm really hoping they replicate something this weekend. Me too. And last year's podium round here, Steve, looked like this. Jorge Martin finished in third, Brad Binder was second, and Jack Miller, who was riding the factory Ducati at the time, won the race so so that kind of suggests it's going to be a very stop and go kind of ducati-esque circuit again but we will come on to our predictions in just one moment because the weather for the weekend pretty much 28 to 32 degrees all weekend cloudy a bit sunnier on the friday but pretty much cloud cover for the rest of the weekend and a very low chance of rain all weekend so i think we're going to see another hot sticky race i think you are very right um, predictions then Steve mine are written down so I'm going to fire those out first and then we'll go with yours uh, I'm predicting a Jorge Martin win in this sprint Bagnaya second and Binder third and for oh. the Grand Prix I'm predicting a Bagnaya win a Binder second and a Bezeki third like it I like it a lot I, I am going for I'm going to agree in the sprint Martin for the win but then I don't know I got a feeling the man on form, Mr. Bezeki, could scrap himself a second with Bagnaro in third. But then for the main race, I think is going to want some blood. So yep. I agree with you. But then a Mr. Bezeki, and I'd like to see the Aprilias do well round here. So I am just going to have a little punt on Mr. Vignales. Oh, nice. That will be a shock. Yeah. Just hoping. Just hoping. Nice. Okay. Um, so to recap, that's me predicting Martin Bagnaya Binder for the sprint and Bagnaya Binder Bezeki for the main race. Steve, you are predicting Martin Bezeki Bagnaya for the sprint and Bagnaya Bezeki Vinales for the main race. Aye. We we will wait and see what happens there. Um, Nervous. Times. And that then. Brings us to the end of the show, Steve. The fantasy league has been pounding away. I'm now only two places I know, behind I saw you that. I'm in dropping the fantasy like a brick. league. You're tumbling. I'm just staying in 48th, and I feel like I haven't moved for weeks. It's just everyone's moving around me, and I'm there just chilling in 48th place. So yep. see what happens next week, but I'm coming for you, my friend. It's all on now. It is. I've still got all three of my boosts to use. So, Oh, have you? I didn't realise that. I've put my last one on for this weekend. So that's why I've managed to catch up with you, because I've been using all my boosts. <laughs> yep, I am sitting pretty. So, yeah, I think they're about to get... Yeah, I might break into them this weekend. Oh, no. Well, I've just got to hope, Steve, that <laughs> I still manage to get it right and overtake you this weekend, because it will be the first time I will have overtaken you all year if I manage to do so. But we will wait and see. We will, we will see. run through the Fantasy League properly after next week's race, um, or maybe yes. the following week when there's not much going on, because I feel like we haven't done it for a while, but we it's all chopping then, and changing. Yeah, we've been busy with the races. So I've just have a look at my team, so I've completely forgotten who I've got. Um uh, yeah, that'll be why. I need to change. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> a change um, is needed. Right. Well, 
You can do that, Steve, because it's pretty much the end of the show now. So, guys, if you have any questions, any comments, and I know I was previously asking every week, have you got anything you want us to talk about? But those shows were getting super long, so I'm going to save some of those. Uh, keep your ideas there, uh, things you want us to shout about, and when I throw that comment in at some point, you feed them all to us and we can go from there. In the Floodgates will be opened. But if you have any pressing questions or any comments or anything you want to say to us or you want us to talk about until then, you can find us on... We are for the love of MotoGP, and you can find us tentatively on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Uh, we do venture over there to snoop for new stuff. Every now I and don't. Then. Steve ventures over there. I stay well away from both platforms. I hold it at arm's length while looking curiously. Um, <laughs> or come and join the Facebook community. We had another chap join earlier. Welcome. Come and join the conversation. It's still growing. Everyone's great over there, chatting away amongst yourselves. It's just a friendly, happy place to discuss MotoGP. It's all a safe place. Come and join in. Or if you've got anything for us, Correction Corner predictions. You want to tell us who's going to win this weekend? Drop us an email. We are for the love of MotoGP at gmail.com. Exactly. There was a very interesting question asked in there, actually. It was asked by Jay Birch, and he was saying if uh, the grid were all on spec machinery, which five riders do you think would finish in the top five? Um, I thought that was a very interesting question. So jump over into the Facebook group, find that question, and put yeah. your answers in there too because there's some interesting ones already appearing that is yeah i missed that one i will dive in in a sec there you go and guys if you want to help us out you can do so over on patreon um there are multiple tiers over there link is in the show notes um everyone knows what patreon is at this point but we are doing monthly patreon exclusive shows where we go back through MotoGP history and find fun things to talk about um so Hi. You'll find those, uh, we're calling them Remember When shows. Uh, the last yeah. one we recorded, Steve, what was that? Remember when 500cc motorcycles raced against MotoGP bikes? Um, that right. show has not been out yet, but if you want some of that, um, then come and sign up at any tier and you can find those over there. Until next week, references, sources for oh, this yes. episode come from therace.com, crash.net, Speedweek, uh, Wikipedia, and MotoGP.com. So, guys, thank go. you all very, very much for listening, and we will speak to you next week after we have seen the race in the Twin Ring Motegi. So stay safe and look after each other. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Music is by Andrew Greenwood. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.